Psalm chapter 63 in God's Word, and if you have it there, I want to invite you to stand together with me for the reading of God's Word. And the Bible tells us here, beginning in verse number 1, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of the wings of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. Lord God, I pray that today uh, we would be pliable in the hand of the Master. I pray, Lord, that your word would find lodging in tender hearts today. And if there be someone here that does not know Thee as Savior, may today be the day of salvation for them. Lord, fill us with Thy Holy Spirit, and we pray that Thou mightest be glorified above all. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Today I want to bring you a message entitled, Desiring God. Desiring God. As I look back over the course of my life, for 51 years I have been a a child of the King. When I was 8 years of age, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And uh, in 1971... And from that time until now, I would really like to tell you that I have seen my Christian experience and my growth be like a straight line on a growth curve. But it really hasn't been. I'd like to say that I never wavered in my commitments to the Lord. But I can't say that. I'd like to tell you that I have always desired God more than any other thing in this world. And sincerely, I can't tell you that. But when you boil it all down and you come to the point where you understand what is really important and you begin to ask the Lord to somehow allow you like we considered last week with Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church to to somehow comprehend the love of God for us. We realize that, like the choir sang, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Not your mother or your father, not your grandparents, not your spouse. No one ever cared for me. No one ever cared for you like Jesus. And when I consider that, 
and I'm honest with myself, I'm ashamed for how my desire for Him it comes and goes. When I was dating my wife, she was living in the valley and I was living in California. And, and every morning at the crack of dawn, I would be on the telephone beginning my day and, and we would have devotions together. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't just all about the romance. It was about, about us building relationship together. And, uh, but I, I couldn't wait to get her on the phone and, and to uh, invite her into those moments together with me. And truth be told, I think there probably were times where I was more excited to, to be on the phone with her than I was when the phone got hung up and I had the opportunity to be with the Lord in prayer. And I realized that that passion that I had to be with her became idolatry by the biblical definition of the term. Because my passions and desire to be in presence with her eclipsed my desires and passions to be in presence with the Lord. And I've had to confess that sin to the Lord. And some people say, oh, well, you know, it's just young love and that's just kind of the way it is. And, and what we do is we want to rationalize our own idolatry and our lack of love for the Lord. And listen, you can do that at your house for you, but when the Spirit of God comes to speak to me, I can't do that. I have to be honest and say, there are many times where I have allowed the, uh, the birth of a child or of a grandchild to, to excite me and to inflame my passions in a positive way, often more than I have been enthused or encouraged about the things of the Lord or the Lord Himself. I look back over meetings that I have attended in my Christian experience where that I made decisions for the Lord at a youth camp or at a conference that I attended and how that, that heaven came down and glory filled my, my soul and, and I believe that God was dealing with me in a profound way and I made decisions that changed my life, I thought, forever and I would serve the Lord with a fervency for three weeks. Or for two weeks. Or just until we went to the Sizzler buffet after the service. And I, I rather think, without asking for a show of hands, that probably there's more than a few people in the room that would say, your experience is much like my own. It's much like my own. There's a lot of bobbing, bobbleheads here this morning. Next week we're giving away Luis Gonzalez. We got him on clearance from the 99 cent store. <laughs> but, but look, look I'm, what I'm telling you is this. That sometimes this whole concept of desiring God, we're all about it when we're in church. We're all about it when we're around other believers that are on fire for God. And we catch fire. We're all about it. When we hear our favorite song on the radio, the favorite, our favorite praise and worship song that we know all the words to, that we don't know 
John 3.17, and we don't know John 3.15, we could sort of make it through John 3.16, but we know all the words of that song. You know, I think in some measure that reveals to us a little bit about where our desires rest. What really keeps our motor going, so to speak. And today I want to talk to you about this subject of desiring God. And as we look at this, the psalmist David wrote, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I think it is important for us to understand the the context of this psalm. For David at this point in his life was the king over Israel and his son Absalom had led an insurrection against his own father. In fact, the advisors to Absalom, the son of King David, said, if you really want to shame your father and stick it in his teeth, take his wives and concubines and sleep with them on the roof of the palace before all Israel. If you want to humiliate your dad, here's what you do. And so he did. And he pursued his own father's life, seeking to kill him, so that he could alone ascend to the throne of Israel. David loved Absalom. The record of Scripture would tell us nothing other than the fact that David adored his son. He was a handsome young man. He had a beautiful head of hair. I probably wouldn't have adored him. Because I don't. And I resent anyone that does, alright? Except my wife, you know. But, uh, but the fact of the matter is he had a beautiful head of hair and so much hair and it grew so thick and so beautifully that it was famous in all Israel. And every year they would, he would have a haircut and they would weigh the locks of hair. I'm sure all of the maidens in Israel vied just to get one lock to put in the, the middle of their I don't know, but uh, yeah, I guess you can't put it in the scrolls, can you? But uh, but anyway, but you know, he he was a handsome guy, and David loved him, and now David's heart was absolutely broken. He's being pursued like an animal and hiding for his life from his own son. Can you imagine the betrayal that he felt? Can you imagine the pain? And the brokenness that he experienced. And it was in that moment in time when he wrote this psalm. And I'm going to tell you something, my friends, that there are times in our lives where we do not desire God. And the Lord can arrange for circumstances to arise in our lives that will lead us to desire Him more than anyone or anything else in the world. But my friends, none of us would ask for those circumstances. And yet the truth is that God knows exactly what it is that He needs to do to bring His children to the place where they long to be in His presence. That is what we're talking about with this 
message today and this month, our sermon series being Embrace His Presence. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the fact is that uh, He's with us, but many of us have forsaken Him, although He's still here. I've talked to many people through the years who are in marriages where they haven't left, but they've forsaken. And two people living in the same house, uh, houses, uh, or house, and, and they're living separate lives together. They've not left because it would be inconvenient. But they have sure forsaken. And the fact is that God said, I'll never leave thee, I'll never forsake thee. He's, he's there, He's present. But sometimes we, in our spirits, have forsaken Him because we, we live our days apart from the conscious awareness that God is in presence with us. And if we would get that back somehow and live with that conscious awareness, it would make a profound difference in our lives. What David experienced here to come to the place where his soul longed for God. It was the deepest longing of his life. Not for a woman, not for his wife that was, uh, was somehow betrayed by, by David's own son. He was longing for God. Desiring God. And so, as a broken hearted man, he, he took a parchment and a quill and he began to write and he wrote, O God, Thou art my God. And through this he came to declare the sufficiency of God's love and grace for the darkest hour of any life. The things that would break us are the things that God has occasioned to demonstrate His loving kindness that is better than life itself. I want you to see that we must in our own lives determine before the storm clouds form that we're going to go through that in the presence of God desiring Him and the comfort that He provides. It is no accident that the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ is called the Comforter. It's no accident, my friend. He wants to comfort you in every stage of your life, wherever you find yourself, in whatever circumstance. Unfortunately, there are those that claim to be Christians and yet they're seeking comfort in human relationships. They're seeking comfort in material things. They're seeking comfort in, 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 in chemicals and somebody's listening to their phone and I'm not sure what the score is right now, but uh, you can check it later. <laughs> but look, oh, somebody's got sermon audio going. Okay, good for that. Maybe they could watch it in the parking lot. But uh, listen, I want you to notice this as we move quickly. The desire of the longing heart. The desire of the longing heart. David's personal longing and desire was for the Lord. What did he say? O God, Thou art my God. 
It's one thing if you go to a service and you hear the preacher talk about a relationship with Lord, with the Lord, and you say, man, that's great. I'd like to have something like what he's got going on right there. But the fact of the matter is it's not about me or my experience. It's all about you and your personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean work your way to heaven. It means now that you're saved, you have a relationship with God to work through on your own. Did you know that nobody ever got to heaven hanging on to mama's apron strings or daddy's coattails? And no one is going to grow in the Lord and come up to faith the measure of the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ by simply emulating a man or a woman that they look up to, but rather for us to look to God and to desire God not to be with those that have that passion but to be in physical presence with him you know one of the things I would tell you that troubles me as a pastor from time to time and that is that people get so consumed in books and there's nothing wrong with reading great books I hope that you do but my friends I want to tell you something it is not a replacement for the time in the book that reveals our Savior to us. And you know what really those books are? Somebody read the Bible and it meant something to them. And so they processed it and they regurgitated it and they wrote it down. And so we're reading about somebody else's experiences with God. In some cases, you'll read a, 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 a biography of a famous Christian. And so what we're doing is that we're, we're, we're getting where the cow has already gnawed on this in two of his stomachs because someone read about somebody who wrote about what somebody wrote down. And now we're getting a third-hand report on what God did in somebody's life. And, and we're thinking that's so wonderful. And God says, you know what? I want to talk to you myself. I want to give you firsthand. And I want you to desire that time with me. David uh, had a personal longing, not just, it wasn't just a corporate thing where it's like, okay, everybody, uh, come on, let's get together. I was talking to some young people that went to a youth rally uh, some time back, and there was a bunch of unsaved young people that were there, and, and there were people up in the front trying to get the kids to sing, and they were strumming the guitar, and they had the, the words up there, and you know, oh, everybody put your hands together. And n- number one, half the crowd didn't even know the man that they were supposed to be singing about. Number two, they had never heard the song to put their hands together and sing along with it. And so it was just all for show. And sometimes what happens is that people come to church and they think we're going to get caught up in the corporate euphoria and we're going to, we're going to somehow by osmosis get this thing. And, and before you know it, we're going to be really going on for God. And the truth is that there's no shortcuts in the Christian life. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to have a longing to spend time with Him. And this is why on Bible Sunday we're talking about this because we want everybody to have a Bible because you can know God through His Word. This reveals Him to us. I say this all the time. I'm going to wear it out before we see Christ. But if we could turn this book into a person, we would have the Lord Jesus. If we could turn Jesus into a book, we would have the Bible. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ to man, and He invites you into His presence as you open this up, and He wants you to know what is in His heart. My sweetheart, right here in this beautiful Asian uh, outfit today, 
um, did something very special for me when we were dating. She was living in the valley. I was living in California. And uh, shortly after we began dating, I had a birthday, and she, she came out, and we were sitting at her sister's home uh, in Ontario, and she had um, some gifts there for my birthday. And I was excited, and the time came to open the gifts. And so I opened them up, and I, I opened the first gift, and it was a beautiful leather-bound journal. And uh, I thanked her for it. And I opened the other package, and it was a, a beautiful pen, beautiful ink pen, kind of an expensive one. And uh, I was impressed. And, uh, and, and so... I had this beautiful journal and this ink pen. I was kind of getting the idea that she wanted me to write in a journal. And then she pulled out a replica, the, the twin sister, to that journal that she gave me. And she said, I purchased a journal just like yours for myself. And she said, if you would like to, what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to in my quiet time with the Lord, just write out what God is doing in my life. And in your quiet time with the Lord, you, you write out what God is doing in your life. And then in a few weeks when, when we can see one another, let's trade journals. And we can see what God is doing in the other. It'll kind of be a window into the heart. You know what? God doesn't want you to be cloudy or vague about His heart for you. You can open up the journal He wrote for you. It's a love letter from heaven to you. And you can read it for yourself. But you know what? You're not going to do it until you desire to do it personally. You're not going to do it because I say you ought to do it. You may say, well, pastor says I ought to do it. Maybe you'll even buy a journal and a pen and a Bible and say, I'm all set. But until you decide you want to do that because you are longing for God, you desire God, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You have a great journal that's a dust collector. Right? You'll have a pen that the ink dries up in. And the fact is that until there's a desire for God, that's all that that will be. It was a moment when the things of the flesh in David's life would never satisfy him. And that's why he said, My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. Nothing else on earth could satisfy him. And my friends, we've got to come to that place. Otherwise, I'm just going to tell you something. Your life will be the tale of an unfulfilled, unhappy person going from one relationship to the next, one experience to the next, only to discover that it didn't touch you in the deepest part of your heart and you're still vastly unfulfilled. But God alone, my friends, has the ability to touch you in the deepest part of your heart to fulfill your deepest need and to satisfy your deepest longings and desires. Secondly, see the delight of the longing heart. The delight. I wonder what you're delighting yourself in today. I know some men that are really into 
into hunting. And that's what it's all about. They can't wait till hunting season. And they're going running to the mailbox every day to see if they got that notice in the mail that they got drawn to shoot an elk or a deer or javelina or something. And it's all about hunting. I know other guys that, man, their life is just revolving around golf. And it's all about getting out on the golf course and getting the sun on their face and fresh air in their lungs and, and how far they can hit their drives and what is their short game like. And the fact of the matter is that they're more passionate about golf and they spend more money on golf than they do on God and the things of the Lord. Sometimes people say, do you golf? I say, well, I enjoy golfing. I have some beautiful clubs and when I play, I'm not terrible, but if I have an extra $75 and five hours to kill, I probably ought to use it on my family. It's not to say I don't need to get out and get some fresh air in my lungs and sun on my face and I get some exercise, but and there's nothing wrong with that. If you do that, good for you. But don't let that become the passion and the longing of your life and that you sit around at work just scheduling your next golfing outing and, and trying to put together the quintessential foursome that you can go out with and spend more time with the foursome than you do with God. Can I get a witness? I know some ladies that are all about their crafting and their scrapbooking and their photography and their interior decorating and their animals and their grandchildren than they are God. In fact, that probably defines a vast majority of, of, of the ladies in our culture today. But David said in verse number 2, I, My desire is, look, with a passion to see Thy power and Thy glory so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. David didn't want to just see the glory of God as he did in the tabernacle, as he did when the glory of God uh, filled the place. He didn't want to just see the moving of God in those special places like the palace and the tabernacle, he wanted to see the power and glory of God revealed in another tabernacle, in his body. He wanted to see the glory of God revealed for him personally. And my friend, he, he desired to see it not just in those stained glass cathedrals, he wanted to see it in the desert places of his life. How about you? David chose to sanctify the storm that he was in and to give it over to God's use and determined that he would worship God right there in the wilderness. Not, God, if you get me out of this, I'm going to go back to church and I'll worship you there. You know, when young men come to me and say, Pastor, I feel like the Lord may have called me to preach. And you know what I tell them what my daddy used to tell me? Then preach! And they're like, well, I haven't gone to school yet. What does that have to do with preaching? Now, of course, my dad would say, a call to, to preach is a call to prepare. So you probably ought to get some, some education about it so you know what you're saying, right? Because you cannot give what you do not have. But the fact of the matter is, I don't have to be a Bible college graduate to be able to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? He'd say, there's plenty of nursing homes around here that would be happy for you to lead a Bible study. There's lots of rescue missions in town that would give you 30 minutes before lunch. There's lots of 
street corners that are filled with homeless people that need the Lord that you could stand on and give the gospel from. And there's a lot of people that you could talk to on their porches. And there's probably a place in children's church where you can stand up and declare the truth. And I realize that that's not some sort of a you know highbrow calling in some people's purview. They'd like to stand in a big uh, auditorium on a platform and be broadcast and, and dress to the nines and have everybody say, oh my, what a wonderful orator you are, and that was a nice talk. But the fact of the matter is that, listen, it doesn't have to happen on a platform being broadcast. It can happen wherever you are. And God wants you today, right here, right now, to determine that wherever I find myself in the storm is a place of worship. It is a place of seeking God. And, and let me ask you today, how many of you are having a difficult time? Let me see your hand. You're having a tough time. Raise it, raise it up big and high. I'm, have, I'm going through some trials. Listen, that's 50% minimum of the people in this place, of those that would admit it. A lot of people, their shoulder hurt too much to raise their hand. <laughs> so they're having a hard time, but they couldn't get the hand up, right? Folks, see the desire of the longing heart. The delight of the longing heart. Notice with me the declaration of the longing heart in verse 3. Because thy loving kindness is what? Better than life, my lips shall praise thee. You know what? He said, God is better than life itself. He's better to me than life itself. Just let that sink in for a minute. When I got the news that my uncle had gone to be with the Lord, after I composed myself, I sat down in my office and I looked across my office and on the credenza across from my desk, there's a, there's a plaque. And you know what it says? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Look, my uncle was a great athlete. He had a lot of accolades. He had a lot of accomplishments in his life. But for him, the best was not behind him. The best was yet to come. And you know what? Listen, what God was going to give him was better than anything this life could offer him. Do you understand that? But let me let you in on a little secret, okay? Paul told the Corinthian believers that I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. A lot of times we think, oh, that's heaven. And you know what? Heaven may be a part of that equation. But do you know what Paul then said? But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. You don't have to wait till you get up in the wild blue yonder to experience something that's better than the life of man. You can experience the life of God right now. Look, here's the one we know. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, you know it, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? But have. You know when I get everlasting life? The very second I trust Christ, I have it. 
Everlast life. The very second. I don't, I don't get it when I get to heaven. I have it now. But have it. I have it now. Okay? And, and sometimes we think, well, I'm going to get it when I get up there. <laughs> and, and some people think, if I don't behave, I'm going to get it down here. <laughs> but look, I, I have everlasting life now. I have everlasting life now. And that life that God has prepared for you and me is better than anything that man can offer you. And he declared it. And he praised the Lord as his deliverer in the storm. Notice with me the decision of the longing heart. The decision of the longing heart. In verse 4, he said, Thus will I bless thee. You see, the word will I means that it was a volitional act. It was a choice that he made. He made a decision. You know what I'm trying to get you to do today? I'm trying to get you to make some decisions. Make a decision. And I have news for you, my friends, and that is not to decide is a choice. That's a choice. Sometimes uh, I think about folks that, that come to the Lord, they trust Christ as Savior. Praise the Lord, we had a 19-year-old man. He's a local football star. Um, accept the Lord as Savior a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night here at Freeway. And, and Wednesday night, he, he was baptized here in the baptistry. And, uh, and uh, Brother Carter took him into my office the previous Wednesday night, and I told him, his name is Max, I said, Max, baptism is not a question of ready or not ready. It's a question of obey or disobey. Obey or disobey. It's that simple. It's not, I'm ready or I'm not ready. It's, I'm going to obey God or I'm not going to obey God. That's, that's all that it amounts to. And so, if I continue to put off what God says do, and baptism is the first step of obedience as a new believer for everyone. You're not different if you're a child of God. Okay? God's will for your life is the same, it is for, same as it is for all of His kids. Amen? And so He wants us all to follow in His will and in His way. And the first step in God's will for a new believer is to be baptized. And all the time I have people say, I don't think I'm ready yet. And, uh, and look, it's not a matter of ready or not ready. It's a matter of obey or disobey. So how many of you here got kids? Let me see your hand. You got kids. Okay, wonderful. Big group of folks that are willing to admit that. <laughs> How many of you have some you'd like to put up for sale? <laughs> you know, there's a few like that. They're on Craigslist already, aren't they? And nobody's making any bids on them. But uh, uh, anyway, I shouldn't say that. Everybody's all touchy-feely about that. But uh, <clears throat> come on, you guys need to get a sense of humor. Okay. But, but look, you have kids and you say, all right, um, Johnny... I want you to go mow the grass. Okay, Saturday afternoon, there's, there's gas in the mower. Go mow the front lawn. Okay, Susie, I want you to go in and I want you to do the dishes and wipe down the counters in the, in the kitchen. Okay, her homework's done. She's got time. It's a bright, shiny, shiny day. There's nothing on the TV that's worth watching. You say, okay, go, go to it right now. I'm going to run to the store to buy a few groceries. I'll be back in an hour. I expect to see the, the chores done. So when you come back from the grocery store, here's Johnny and Susie sleeping on the sofa with the TV blaring. And you wake them up and you say, Hey, I thought I told you to mow the grass, bud. And he says, 
Well, you know, Dad, you see, the thing is, I'm just not ready yet. Do you know, I'll tell you, I was raised in a home where Dad would make me really happy to be ready. How many of you had a dad like that? <laughs> you know, he could make me really happy. He'd make me so happy about it, I'd want to mow the front yard, the backyard, and the neighbor's yard. Right? I, I mean, I, I, I would want to spend my days mowing. He'd make me so happy about it, you know? And, and, uh, and, 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 and Susie said, oh, I was really tired. I, I wanted to take a nap first. I wasn't ready to do the kitchen just yet. Um, listen, you'd make Susie happy. She would, she would eat cereal just to sully more dishes to be able to wash them. Amen? And, uh, and look, why? Because are you going to buy that? You're going to say, oh, well, okay, well then do it whenever you get ready. Okay? That's okay. Whenever you guys get ready to do it, when you're good and ready to do it. No, no. you're going to say, look, you're not going to do it when you're ready to do it. You're going to do it when I'm ready for you to do it. Now, if you didn't have a parent in the home that was like that, um, I imagine that that wasn't a very orderly home. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. We've got to make choices. And to not decide is to tell our Heavenly Father, I'm not ready to do what you told me to do. He wants you to worship Him at all times. He wants you to dwell in His presence all the time. Well, Lord, you know, you see, the thing is, I'm just not ready yet. You have to choose. The decision of the longing heart. Notice, verse 5 says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Now this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because fatness is something I, I, I know something personally about. Okay, I'm just teasing. But you know, notice the delicacy of the longing heart. You know, I'm going to tell you something. It says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Now, let me ask you a question, alright? How many of you know that bone marrow contains all of the nutrients that we need to, to live a healthy life. How many of you are aware of that? Okay, um, Linda's from Vietnam originally, and the, the Vietnamese people, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll pick, the, they'll pick the, the meat off the bones and then they boil the bones to get the bone broth. Sometimes she makes a soup for us, and, and it has meat in it, but, but, the, but the broth, the base is... It's bone broth, and when we're getting a little sick or we're feeling a little nasally or getting the aches and pains, she'll make us some bone broth chicken soup, and, and we drink the broth because it gives us health to our bones. Okay, the life of the flesh is in the blood. You know where blood is manufactured? Bone marrow. Okay, and so we need it. And the Lord will satisfy us with everything that we need. You know what it's telling us? Look, when we long for God, it's not just something that's 
nice. It's something that we need. We need. Now, I was telling Brother Mark in the ready room before church that I was really thinking that I had lost a few pounds through the holidays until I stepped on the scale this morning before I uh, jumped in the shower and I was really disappointed with myself. And the fact of the matter is this, that I re- as I look back over the last week, sometimes I get home from the hospital late at night I found myself taking a little comfort in food, e- eating some ice cream, having a bowl of Rocky Road ice cream before bed, thinking that was going to make me feel better. And, uh, you know, I, I have some of those marshmallows right here. A few of those chocolate almonds right here. It's not what I needed. I needed the comfort that God would give me. And he said this, look, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow. So in other words, God is going to satisfy you with everything that you need. And then catch this. It says not just marrow, but with marrow and what? Fatness. Now, if we were, if you were to say, Pastor, I want to take you to Texas Roadhouse to have a good steak. Okay? I would say, if you're buying, I'm flying. When we going? Come on. Okay. And we would go there, and I already know what I'm having before we get there. Okay. My wife already knows what I'm having. It's not chicken strips. Okay. I'm not having a salad. Okay. I might have that as an appetizer, but I'm not going there to eat rabbit food, right? You don't go to Texas Roadhouse to eat rabbit food. Can I get a witness? Okay. Now, look, I tell you what I'm having I'm having a ribeye steak. A ribeye steak, all right? I'm going to order 12-ounce ribeye, medium to medium rare, with a baked potato loaded, and a, a, a salad. I have a, a Caesar salad, I guess. Just to satisfy all the veganism going on in the world today. But, but look, you say, why would you choose that cut of meat? There are plenty of other cuts of meat. You could get a filet, or you could get this or that. I'm going to tell you why the ribeye is so good. It's because... It's marbleized meat. You know, that's a really nice way of saying it's got fat in it. Okay? So I'm not fat, I'm just marbleized. Okay? I told my wife if I gain another six ounces, this suit isn't going to fit me next week. But, But listen. Okay? That cut of meat that has that fatness in it, you know what it's full of? Flavor. It's flavor. It it adds flavor. Okay? You know what God is saying? I'm not just going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you a whole lot of the stuff that you want. So God is not only good for you, He wants to be good to you. He's good for you, and He'll demonstrate He's good to you. You'll get the marrow, and He'll say, I'm going to throw in some fatness to flavor your life with good things. And folks, I believe today that we need to long for a God that understands 
how that is accomplished in our lives. And we need to stop chasing the world and its things and we need to have a renewed desire for God. There's more that I'm prepared to say today and I'm not going to say it. I want to say this. In my Christian life, I have been around others that had a desire for God when I didn't. And I have to tell you, it was like they were standing in the light and I was in the closet. Not because they put me there. But the light that I was standing in was just a dim one. Their experience was something more glorious than what Mine was at that time. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to to talk to a great many people that I knew were experiencing a relationship with the Lord that was in every way transcendent. Helen is here today. A few Sundays ago, Helen came to me and and she was heavy-hearted. And uh, she had a godly daughter named Robin. And uh, they were best friends and they were neighbors at the end of her life. And when Robin was getting ready to leave this world, she gave her cat to her mother. And uh, the cat hung on for seven years. And, uh, and it finally died a few weeks ago. And she said, Pastor, when you think about it, pray for me. I'm just having a hard time. It was like a connection to, to Robin. And I get that. Let me tell you something about Robin. When she was being ravaged in pain with cancer. And she was at the Cancer Centers of America and I can remember driving out there and standing at her bedside. Do you know what was on the tray table? Not crossword puzzles or a TV guide. It was a Bible and greeting cards that she was sending to others. Remember standing in her room at the bedside of a hospital bed as she was there suffering. And she said, Pastor, don't worry about me. I'm ready to go. I know where I'm going. She said, Pastor, I'm, I'm worried about you. I, I want you to take care of yourself and your family so that you can continue serving the Lord. She said, I pray for you. If we were to take a walk across the courtyard, I could go to my desk and I could reach down and I could find at least two cards that she hand wrote me in the last few weeks of her life. And when I walked in that room, it was as if there was the glow of heaven. Just the Shekinah of God light, lighting up the place. And all I can tell you is that she knew she was about to meet Him. And she was preparing her heart for it. And it was all that she desired. And some days I would walk out the walk into my car, I get in my car and I just sit there and I think, 
I came here to encourage her. And she's the one encouraging me. And I think, you know, I think she's experiencing something that I'm not. But I want to. Aren't you tired of being a spectator in the Christian life? Turning on the TV to see somebody that might have something going on with God? Why don't you stop spectating and start participating? And begin to desire God like He desires It's not by speaking in other languages and rolling around and laughing. It's not by laying hands on other people. Put your own hands on a book. And then look at it. Open your heart. Go to your own knees. And whatever God wants to minister to you, it'll be marrow. It'll be good for you. It'll be fatness. It'll be good to you. God loves you. And why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. Heavenly Father, thank You for the Word of God. Thank You for how it speaks to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would consider what a wonderful God that You are and how kind You are to us every day. And Lord, many lifted a hand today indicating that they're going through a difficult season. Lord, might they discover You to be everything that they need. May You become the one that they desire above all else. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed today. Perhaps there's one in the room that would say, Pastor Mark, I have listened to this message and the truth is that if I died today, I'm not really certain of where I would spend forever. I'm concerned about it. I'm not certain that every sin that I've committed is forgiven and I'm concerned about it. And if that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you, but I would like to have the privilege of just remembering you in a moment of prayer. And so today, if you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, everyone, and that heaven is your home forever, but you're concerned, and you would say, Pastor, please don't embarrass me, but I would appreciate it if you would remember me in that prayer. If that's you today, I wonder if you'd just slip your hand up where you are. Just put it up and write back down. Just put it up and write back down. I'll see where you are and pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm concerned about it. Pray for me. Pray for me. Is there one like that? Here's my hand. Just put it up and write back down. And maybe you would say, Pastor, I know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. No doubt about it. But God is speaking to me because I, I really haven't been desiring God in the way that He desires me and to be with me. And I want to come into His presence and I want not just to do it because I have to. I want to desire it. 
And I want God to so move over me that while I come for His marrow, the things I need, I come away comforted with not only what I need, but that which is pleasing. And I know that He's good. If God is dealing with you today and you say, Pastor Mark, I know I'm on my way to heaven, but I haven't been desiring God like that, but God is moving in me and I want to desire Him like that. Pray for me. I wonder if you'd lift your hand today. Is there one like that? All across the auditorium. God bless you. Many hands. I want to desire God like that. Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Perhaps there are other needs in your life. Maybe the desire of your heart is to become a part of the body of Christ, to join a church and and begin allowing your service to make a difference in the lives of those that you encounter through, through the work of the church. Maybe God would have you to take that first step and follow Him in believer's baptism. That would be a wonderful thing. I don't know how God may be dealing with you today, but if He is, don't put it off. As God is speaking, you let Him set the schedule. You don't tell Him when you're going to get good and ready to do what He says. Make the decision now. Especially if you're here and not sure that you're on your way to heaven. We invite you when we sing in just a moment to step out. Meet me at the front. Let me have a counselor show you in a quiet room how that you can be absolutely sure that heaven is your home and that every sin is forgiven. It will be the greatest decision that you have ever made. Father, I pray right now that you would move and work in every heart Speak to us by Thy Spirit. And what You tell us to do, may we simply say yes. And Lord, may You be glorified in these moments. In the lovely name of Jesus.